At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 404th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Growing plants that thrive in our yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWANTTOSAVESEEDS.COM and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how you can save your own. Today on our podcast, we have someone who brings her farm products to the local community square. We're talking with Lindsay Ludden as the farmer at the market. Lindsay and her husband Eric started a farm several years ago to raise and grow their own food. Originally, their intent was health-related. However, as superfoodies, they began realizing how much better everything tastes when they grow and harvest it themselves. They now have two large gardens, as well as goats, chickens, ducks, turkeys, pigs, and bees. They offer many different items from their farm, including fresh eggs, cheeses, mud scrubs, soap, and a special seasoning blend. Plus, you can find her at the Sedona Farmer's Market on Sundays. Welcome to the show today, Lindsay. Are you ready to rock your urban farm? I am. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure. So first of all, I must say that my husband and I did not grow up on farms. We are completely new to growing our own food, raising our own meat, having chickens and goats. So this is like quite an adventure that we've taken. But we kind of started with just researching like where our food was coming from. We were looking at our health and thinking, gosh, this is like unbelievable how the American food industry is built and how and where our food comes from and how it's harvested and grown. So once you start getting into that and awakening yourself to what you're putting into your body. There's no going back, is there? There isn't going back. I mean, we seriously were like, oh my gosh, we have to do something. This is not working for us. So honestly, we sold our house in Phoenix. We decided goats and chickens were like going to be our thing. We we definitely wanted goats and then chickens for eggs because we were eating like a ton of eggs. Mm-hmm. So we sold our house in Phoenix and then started looking up property in Cornville, Arizona, which no one like knew <laughs> what we were talking about. It's this like cute small town a little north of Phoenix, like an hour and a half north of Phoenix. And we have been camping up here for years and there's local wineries and beautiful vineyards. So we're like, oh, this is the place to be. And there's the farms like all over the place. Yeah, so we looked for property. We could not find anything we could afford. It was like 
everything that we thought was a beautiful piece of land or a beautiful home, it was way out of our budget. So it took us two years to find the perfect piece of property that we could afford. Mm -hmm. And here we are. I mean, we ended up living with like our family members for a couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which yeah. no it was actually like really nice and we got to save some money so we could put money into our savings to help with starting off the farm and I mean honestly when we sold our house in Phoenix we collected some equity from that so that helped as well but we found the piece of land my dad is a general contractor so he helped us build our home and here we are wow so you have a new build oh yeah brand new house brand new bar. I mean, everything was from scratch. We, this was like a piece of land that no one, there wasn't a well, there was like a small septic on the property, but mm-hmm. we had to have someone come out and dig our own well. And we put up the barn, like my husband and his brother put up our milking parlor. We built the fencing. I mean, everything is essentially brand new. And I think most people, when they do this, they would buy like an old farm, or right? Farm that already had these buildings on it, but we started off with nothing and now it's, we did everything exactly how we wanted it. Uh-huh. Wow. This is epic. And my listeners all know that I'm always looking for epic. You owned a house in Phoenix, Arizona. You decided you wanted to buy a farm. You sold your house. You went looking. It took you two years to find the perfect piece of land. You built a farmhouse and a barn and a farm from scratch, never having farmed before. Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is Yes, and we and everything was like, I mean, you should have seen us. We were researching, YouTubing, I mean, Googling how to do all of it because we, like I told you, we didn't grow up on farms. So right. all of this was complete new information for us on how to do everything. Yeah, wow. So how long have you been living on your farm? When we were building the house, we bought a fifth wheel and lived in that totally off grid for like 15 months. So that was an experience in itself. Mm-hmm. And solar energy, I mean, <laughs> converters, like, you name it, we were doing it. The, actually, the benefit of that was we were, with the septic that was already here is we could plug into the septic instead of hauling our fifth wheel to go dump waste. Right. We could just dump it where we're on the property. So that was nice. So how far along are you in on this experiment? We are two years in farming officially mm-hmm. and two years ago I think my my Facebook told me that two years ago we had our first chicks so we bought two chicks and raised them and then all of a sudden I was like okay we need more so we started just well the, the school I work for has chickens and stuff so we got some chickens from them and then we started buying our own chickens and raising them and collecting eggs and it's been wonderful Nice. So this experiment, we'll just call it an experiment of yours. You're two years into it and now you're turning it into a business where you're actually producing products. What kind of products are you producing? Yeah, we, I mean, we started selling at farmer's markets with just our eggs because we ended up getting so many eggs every day that we couldn't eat them all. And also our seasoning, like my family had the seasoning blend that we've been using for years. And I asked my dad, do you mind if I package it and sell it? And he said, sure. So he gave me the recipe and that has been doing so well for us. But yeah, these farmer's markets, I mean, there's little ones popped up everywhere and I just started going and we kind of got like a following of people that come and buy our products. Mm -hmm. 
So the newest thing that just came out recently is our goat milk soap. So we have an abundance of goat milk and we're not even, we're not even like milk drinkers. We just wanted it for cheese. I mean, we just like eat a lot of cheese. Uh So all the rest of the milk, we're trying to figure out, okay, what can we do with it? A lot of it goes to the chickens. A lot of it goes to the pigs to fatten them up. So when it's time to butcher, like they're good and meaty. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then now we're using it for cold process soaps. Oh, nice. You know, a friend of mine here in Phoenix, Tara, she makes goat's milk chocolate, which is amazing. Does she? Yeah. I mean, we make caramels too, and those are really good, but chocolates, yeah, that's that sounds good. Big time. So how big is your farm? It's just over two acres, and a lot of it is, not a lot of it, some of it's hillside, and then we have like an irrigation ditch running through it. Mm-hmm. And we're right on Oak Creek. So you actually get what we in the low desert called flood water? We do. Nice. That helps a lot. Flood water, for those of you that don't know what that is, basically it's a system of ditches that delivers irrigation water to our yard so that we can grow things. How cool is that? You know, what's interesting about our irrigation ditch, though, is it's not like how you guys would do it in Phoenix. People tap into it and create their own sprinkler systems and stuff, but we are not grandfathered into the rights for this ditch. So it's beautiful and it's on our property and we love it, but we can't use any of the water. Oh, Yeah. However, when we dug our well, we hit an artesian well. So we have like water galore coming up. Mm -hmm. We have an abundance of water here. So that's really nice. And we're in Arizona, which is like super helpful to have, <laughs> to have a lot of water on your property. Yeah, that's a big thing. So the name of your farm is the Hoppy Goat Farm. Tell me about that, because I'm a big, big, big proponent that we name our farms and tell the world about it. Gosh, coming up with the name of the farm was such an experiment. In <laughs> but th- no, I feel like this is the perfect name because my husband is a home brewer. He loves beer. He loves to brew his own beer. And when we started farming, he started growing his own hops for the beer. Wow. So when we were naming the farm, it was like, well, goats like hop around and you grow your own hops. So the Hoppy Goat Farm kind of like was cute. Yeah, it was a cute name. So we just went with it. Yeah. Wow. Cool. And you go to the market and tell people about it. Absolutely. And they always want to say, well, can we buy your beer? I'm like, ah. I wish, like legally, no. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, because he does make great beer, but yeah, we're not licensed for that. So along the way, you've had many interactions with people at the farmer's market and at your farm. Has there been one that particularly stands out that tells you, oh my gosh, this is the reason I'm doing this? Honestly, Greg, the folks that sell at these farmer's markets that I have conversations with daily or weekly when I'm there, are the most down-to-earth, good-hearted people I've ever met. It reminds me of like Midwest folks, just really good-hearted people. And I was with some last night, and I'm just, these are my people. Like, I love farmers. They were just like like-minded and bounce ideas off each other, help each other when in need. I mean, it's pretty magical being around your kind of people. Yeah. It sounds to me like you and Eric have created the perfect life for yourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I hate painting like this fairy tale thing, but it's true. We are doing exactly what we want to do. 
we've had failures, but it's not like a big deal. Yeah, it happens. That's how we learn. That's part of the process. You just sound happy. Thank you. I am. And you know, it's like when you choose a path that you are past, like I would say 20 years from now, I would never even have thought this would happen with me. But now that we're doing this, it's just like, I could, I couldn't do anything else. Like this is so wonderful. Everything about it makes me happy. And I have to say just being patient and finding the perfect piece of property that we were essentially obsessed with was pretty key because just walking around, I'm like in heaven, you know, there's such a good energy here and it's a wonderful, wonderful community and piece of land. So Mm -hmm. I think that was like a smart move for us to be really patient and finding what exactly what we wanted. Yeah. In talking with you, your happiness and, and enthusiasm is infectious. I'm over here just smiling. I got this big grin on my face. It's just making oh, me happy talking that. to you. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really what you're doing is the American dream and you figured it out. So can you tell me that about that process, what you went through to get to the place of making the decision to go do this? Well, I would say a lot of just having glasses of wine or beer. <laughs> I mean, we literally talked about it all the time. Like uh-huh. we would just sit outside and be in the pool or something in Phoenix and just be like, wouldn't it be nice if we had, like if we could grow our own tomatoes and we had like a huge garden. And so when you start talking about it enough, it's like, all right, we just need to do this. So the process really was just pulling the trigger and making the decision like we're doing this and we're not turning back Mm -hmm. because literally we told people after we decided and started looking for property, people were like, Oh my gosh, that's so much work. You're going to like hate it. It's going to be way too much. And, and people say like, isn't it just better to go to the grocery store? I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, that is like, (laughs) yeah, what you don't know. I hate going to the grocery store. It is like my least favorite thing to do. Sadly, I still have to go because we can't, we're not self-sustaining here yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, and people were trying to tell us it was going to be too much work. And I'm like, I don't care. So, I mean, maybe we'll get a year into it and not, and decide, all right, this isn't for us, but at least we tried. Yeah. And here we are. And we're going to go full force from now on. I mean, this is exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. It's well, and it's, it's you fulfilling on your dreams. And what you said was brilliant. You just said, you just have to pull the trigger. Right. Yeah. And so that, yeah, that is magical. So talk to me about what it takes to get into a farmer's market. So you've, you've got firsthand experience of getting your products to a market. And that's really one of the simpler steps to getting your products marketed once you have them. So can you tell us about that? It really depends on the market because I know different markets in Arizona require different permits and things like that. So what I was doing, I was just going online and contacting the market managers for the different markets around here. And 
there's a whole application process. Some of them require you to have the business license. Some of them require you to have different permits. And then there's some that like you can just show up like you have excess apples on your tree that year and you want to sell them. You just show up and put up a table and sell your apples. It really depends on the market. I would say the bigger markets in Arizona, you need TPT, a transaction privilege tax number. You need licensing. Yeah. You do need all of those things before you start that. So it sounds like you just check in with the market, see what they uh, have available. Yeah. And then once they told me like, yeah, you're going to need a permit. So I'm like, okay, I'll go get it. And I did. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just a thing, right? Yeah. It's a, what, like a $35 processing fee and it's hoops you have to jump through right. to sell your stuff, but it's not that big of a deal. So what are your next steps for you and your farm business? Well, it's interesting because like so many people ask to come visit the farm. And even though we own two acres, a little over two acres, we're still in a residential community. It's a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I, I would feel really weird like opening it up to the public and having all this traffic. However, we would love for people to come and experience what we're doing. So the goal is to build a cute little cottage in the back, like a one room cottage and just open it up to like a farm to table, like Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So people can come stay here if they wanted to, I don't know, collect their own eggs for breakfast or if they wanted to milk the goats, just so they can experience what we're doing and seeing if it's something that they might be interested in doing, or if they just want to come and do it for a weekend. Awesome. And I have a little story to tell you. Episode 237, we had Scotty Jones on the podcast, and she talked about farm stays. They've put together, they've put together a whole organizational structure to plug people into farm stays around the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we had her come back for a bonus episode because it was so much fun to talk about it. So if oh, you, cool. yeah, if you go to urbanfarm.org and do a search for Scotty, S-C-O-T-T-I-E Jones, you'll have two podcast okay. episodes about just exactly that. Oh, I'll have to do that. Yeah, there's a whole structure, a whole system set up that will bring people right to your door to do just exactly that. So how cool is that? Good job. That is cool. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, perfect. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well, first of all, I'd probably killed more things than I've, than I've grown, mm -hmm. but that's kind of common, I guess, with farming and growing your own food. Yep, especially as, as a newbie. Yeah, as a newbie. But this something recently happened that just painful to talk about, but I'm going to do it nice. <laughs> so people can hear these farms, you know, what happens at the farm. So we had been growing turkeys and we still have three, but we had been growing six of them for seven months now, mm -hmm. just feeding on like organic feed, free range, these pasture blend, beautiful, beautiful birds. And my husband and I butcher our own chickens and ducks and turkeys. So butchering day was a couple weeks ago. And the process is basically you pluck them, you clean them out. And then in order to get their body temperature, 
down slowly and not like quick freeze them, Mm -hmm. you put them in the refrigerator for like two or three days and then you vacuum pack them and put them in the freezer. So we did that. We had three turkeys in the refrigerator. We we have a refrigerator in our garage that we use for such purposes and we didn't check on them for like two and a half days. We just, because, you know, we didn't need to. Well, my husband opened it up when it was time to vacuum pack and there was mold on them. They were like rotting in the fridge because the, because the refrigerator had gone out the day we put them in would be my guess anyway. So we had three beautiful birds that we raised since their pulse, like, and intending to eat and Mm -hmm. honor their, their life and Mm -hmm. their bodies. And, and then we had, I mean, we had to throw them away. It was just like, so I cried and then I cussed quite a bit that day. And then, you know, you just like kind of get over it. You're like, okay, that happened. Let's just move on. So, I mean, it's still fresh in my mind because it just happened, but talking to other farmers, apparently it happens to a lot of folks anyway, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's part of the process and, you know, we got to pay more attention to that kind of stuff sometimes, huh? Yeah, we should have checked on them, and we just didn't. So, lesson learned. Yep, we threw (laughs) that refrigerator's gone, and so now new refrigerator (laughs) in the garage. I mean, that won't happen again. Yeah, stuff happens. So, what do you consider your biggest success? Just simply starting. We just had this vision, this dream, and I'm so glad we went for it because we could still be in Phoenix right now doing our same jobs and still doing what we did. But because we were so driven and had this vision of what we wanted our lives to be, just like I said before, pulling the trigger, it was that to me is our success because we hadn't done this. The happiness you hear in my voice, that might not be there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's a virtual high five to you for that. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> so what drives you? Honestly, it's the food. We love to eat. My husband is an amazing chef. He cooks some really amazing meals just from pulling stuff out of the garden and making cheese from the goat's milk and using our eggs. The food is what drives me. And I think just knowing the cultivation from seed to table without breaking the narrative, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that to me, it gives me goosebumps just Mm -hmm. knowing that we can do that here and even, or even like chick to dinner table. So, Mm -hmm. or egg to dinner table, like these are things that are important to me and important to us, like where we're not sourcing our food elsewhere. We can actually have full blown meals just from stuff from our farm. That is sweet. That's something that we do here at the Urban Farm, harvesting food and eating it daily. And so I know how fulfilling that can be. So congratulations on that. Thank you. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? The Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've read it. Oh, yes. Is an awakening book. You just knowing our food system, the American food system, and how things are grown and the subsidies of corn, like all of that stuff. I had no idea. I was completely naive to where my food was coming from and how 
even simple things like labeling packages at the grocery store and oh God, the word natural, like <laughs> the umbrella of what that is. It's crazy just to, and once you know all of these things, you're kind of like, well, I, uh, I don't want to feed into that system. I'm going to step out and do my own thing. Yeah. As, as we said before, there's no going back once you know. Exactly. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I would just say whatever it is that you think about all the time that you're constantly like, oh, I really want to do that. Just like do it. <laughs> you know, I know so many people who are stuck in like their jobs that they hate or they would rather be doing this. I don't quite understand why us as Americans or us as people can't do things that we love to do every day all the time. Every day. Yep. And I know there's hurdles and there's pro financial problems or stuff happens, but being really focused on what you want and knowing you want it is to me, that's what you need to be doing. For this farm, for example, we were thinking about it all the time. Mm -hmm. And once we became focused on doing it, everything just magically happened and fell into our laps so beautifully. Yeah. Well, and that's it. Once you make the decision, the universe aligns behind you and says, okay, let's go for a ride. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really, really proud of you for what you're doing. And uh, this has been a really fun interview. I'm, I've had a great big smile on my face the whole time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Greg. That's really nice. You bet. And so how can our listeners find you? We have a website. It's thehoppygoatfarm.com. I also have a Gmail, thehoppygoatfarm at gmail.com. I'm most active on Instagram, so it's kind of fun because I do those Instagram stories. So you can see me doing farm stuff pretty much daily on Instagram, and then I post stuff on Facebook like every week or so. Perfect. So, yeah, we're kind of like in the social media and I know it's a platform that a lot of people don't necessarily like for whatever reason, but for me, it's been super inspiring and really fun to just kind of like show everyone like our daily stuff that we do here at the farm. Yeah. Well, and it plugs in a younger crew. Yeah, it does. At 57 years old, I'm not that interested in Instagram, but I know a lot of younger people that are like all over it. So you're really reaching out to a new generation of farmers and eaters. Right. To eaters. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Greg. I you, had fun. Yay. That's that's my goal. <laughs> I've I'd done my work then if, if we've had fun. So you can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash hoppy goat. That's H-O-P-P-Y-G-O-A-T. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Growing plants that thrive in our yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how you can save your own. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. 
You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.